the launching pad for things that we consider iconic and absolutely essential to the concert scene in San Francisco started here. And one of them, of course, is rock medicine. And times were changing in the hate, and more importantly, the hate was changing. The peace, love, and good vibes are changing. It was getting tainted with more and more overdoses. Speed and heroin were starting to gain a foothold in the community with more and more consequences to the people that were there. This culture generated more and more patients that were now starting to show up at a small little clinic in the quarter of Haight-Ashbury, the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic. And these problems were more and more related to drug use and all the consequences of that. Started by Dr. David Smith and then later joined by other physicians, including Dr. Skip Gay, the impact of changing drug scene led them to develop the first comprehensive non-methadone detox center. And it was the first time there was federal funding. And that in itself is a story of how that happened. But basically, we were finally legitimized to take the problems that were occurring in the street and find a way to treat them. It became very clear to Skip at the time that as these posters were coming out and advertising these big concerts in Kizar, which is the biggest venue of the day, it was where the 49ers played. They had big soccer games. They had polo games in there. Huge crowds up to about, I think it, at capacity, could hold 36,000, which was a pretty darn big venue. It became clear to Skip that if you put thousands of kids on high on drugs in the middle of Kizar, listening to the Grateful Dead, then to Led Zeppelin, the impact on the community was going to be large. In the worst case scenario, everybody's going to get arrested, thrown in jail, not receive any medical care or assessment, and who knows what would happen. And at the time, there was, you know, there was only one main real significant hospital that was, San, that was the general, San Francisco General, county hospital, everything is there. And if you had ever walked through the county uh, on a weekend or on a full moon and you saw gurneys and gurneys of, of young people writhing in pain, not because they were had traumatized, but because they had taken a lot of stuff, but nobody knew how to deal with it. And this was a vision that was horrifying both to David and to Skip and anybody else was involved in those days. Our pharmacist was Daryl Anaba. These people understood that there was something happening and it was going to go very, very bad. And if it went bad, there would never be another concert anywhere in San Francisco. So there was a fair amount at risk. At the same time, there was a very quiet police officer in the San Francisco police staff who was assigned to stolen cars. And he was out in the way out in the division. And he had a very similar thought. His name was Stan Damas. And in Stan's career, which Stan many years, he never recovered a stolen car and never <laughs> drew a weapon in his entire life. But Stan understood the impact, like Skip and like David, understood what the impact would be if all these people would be collected in one area with no resources or with traditional resources. You know, cops on horseback, you know, guns. I mean, this was not going to be a pretty sight. So this, these came together all at once in this kind of perfect storm. So almost at the same time, Skip Day reached out to Bill Graham. He didn't know Bill very well, but by phone calls and with the help of a lot of assistance, he was ably supported by Robbie Carrado, who was one of really the first real director of rock medicine in terms of she did, you know, Skip was the name, but Robbie did the, the work, as often happened. And he just started to discuss the idea of the Haight-Ashbury Free Clinic providing a sort of 
mobile mass unit, and that was one of his favorite words. Skip had, had served in Korea and had a really big concept of what a forward medical unit would like, and he called it a mass unit. That would be able to be right on site to talk down these patients, to provide some sort of support for them, stabilize the minor injuries, and if necessary, help with work with EMS to transport patients that really needed to be in the hospital. And this is the core of the philosophy that we've carried forward, is that healthcare, regardless of where you are and what you're doing, is still a right, not a privilege. Okay? And if you can do it in a way that does not impact the, com the community and allows friends and family to be reunited safely, then, you, then you've, hit, you've hit the trifecta. We've done what we needed to do. So this was starting to happen. And at the same time, Stam reached out to Bill, offering to serve as a liaison between whatever on-site security that was being developed and the police, and somehow mediating what was already becoming the clash of the titans. Literally on a handshake, in one fell sweep, on one afternoon, sometime like today, Rock Medicine was born, and out of that relationship with Stan Davis became our beloved Bluecoats. Everybody knows who the Bluecoats were. Any comments so far about what I've said? Does that feel like y'all had the same kind of sense of how things started? Yeah. Okay. On a handshake. And that handshake, that handshake persisted there was never, a, it took 20 years before we had a real written contract. There would be a couple of papers exchanged, but the essence of our relationship with Bill Graham, as it did in many other things, was based on your integrity and his integrity and belief that this was the right thing to do. Now, there were many spin-offs and many times that that didn't work out as smoothly as we might have imagined. But it started. And for these first concerts, it took a lot. Robbie Corrado, there was Skizix, everybody that was beginning in this started figuring out how do we, where do we find the stuff? How do we get it donated? Where do we do it? How do we put it together? How do we transport it? And things started out in essentially suitcases and, and in um, camp trunks, <laughs> these plastic camp trunks, you know, trying to figure out how we're going to get this stuff on site. But the importance of all this, it worked. So the statistics are rather impressive. Rock Medicine provided care for the first time May 26th when Bill Graham christened Kizar Stadium. For that Saturday, the Grateful Dead performed with new riders of the Purple Sage and Waylon Jennings in the first of many Bill Graham-sponsored Kizar Rock Stadiums. Um, there was a, I was looking online, I love this quote, of the Grateful Dead, Bill Graham said, quote, they are the perfect champagne for this christening. The crowd estimates were between 20,000 and 30,000, and only a few folks, to my recollection, were transported. Gip was meticulous about keeping stats. We would um, take the numbers of how many Band-Aids, how many this, how many that, how many talk-downs, and then we would plot them against the time of the concert. Most concerts, there was always a bimodal curve where we saw them a lot at the beginning. We didn't see them until there was a break in the action, and then we saw them again, and then Lee's got those. He was meticulous, and we saw that day 135 patients. On the second day, June 3rd, the British rock group Led Zeppelin drew 50,000 fans, which were approximately 6,000 less than capacity at Kizar, and they paid $320,000 to Kizar. And the two and a half hour show was, like I said, 6,000 short of capacity. They were blanketed everywhere, and rock medicine was there again, now with a different band, a different group, a different vibe, but still with the same philosophy. They saw 173 patients on that day. When those numbers were crunched, we came up with a basic number. 
in an outdoor show with no other things going on, like not super hot, super cold, not terribly long, all these things, we know that we will see two-tenths of 1% of any crowd in medical. And that number has been consistent for the last 43 years. And so consistent, I have other hats that I wear, but I was the chief medical officer at the Pope's visit in Philadelphia. And in the planning stages, they're expecting to have thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And they had 42 ambulances contracted for this huge amount of money. And I kept telling them, you're going to see two tenths of 1% of any crowd. This is how many of those who are going to be transported. And they are looking at me like I am from Mars. However, in the end, we were on the money. We weren't off by a single patient. Same thing when I did the State of the Union address in DC. I give the same numbers. They're learning to listen to me now. <laughs> but this is how you translate these kinds of experiences. You have now made me, in some ways, a professional and expert in crowd medicine. And I can help advise people both at, you know, every day in our parks or at the national level. It was a very much a team approach, and it was often the simple skills that made things better. Didn't need a whole lot of medicines to talk somebody down. You need to have a kind face and a kind heart and understand where they were going. And these are the skill sets that we built that have become national models. National models not across the country, not just at concerts, but in emergency departments. Now, my site teams, don't. the first thing they ask me is not can I medicate. Can you have a quiet room and I'll try talking to them for a while? Skip went to work for the Department of Corrections as one of the chief medical officers. And he was way out in the country, uh, way out in Sonora, where they actually have what they call the inmate fire camps. These are low-level uh, prisoners that are expected not to have a high level of recidivism. They teach them a skill, and often they're hired by Cal Fire. But what would happen if somebody got sick, two of the guards would have to take one person on the line. They'd take them off. So now you've lost the guy and his buddy. So now four people are off the line drive them somewhere where they may or may not get the right care, then drive them back. This is all in overtime, very expensive. So he created what he called the MERT team and set up little tents out there and started doing it. So again, another application that has saved the state thousands and thousands of dollars over the last 10 years and is still a part of every wildland fire. Things that people know, you know there's a lots of things. Bill yelled a lot. Sometimes that was traumatic, sometimes not so much. We were. Um, opening Cal Expo up in Sacramento. And you know, it was a big deal and you know, everybody's excited. We got a nice venue. It was a small outside amphitheater and there was, there was a sign that just said first aid. I thought that kind of looks generic. So I unrolled our rock medicine banner that has our hate ashbury free medical clinic symbol on and had it all taped up and was feeling pretty darn good about myself until I hear somebody grumbling behind me. And I turn around and in no, no uncertain and colorful language, uh, Bill explained to me that it was his effing sign and I had no business covering his perfect effing sign with my stupid banner and that he would expect that down before he took another lap around the thing. <laughs> well, since getting yelled at by Bill was a lot like getting yelled at by Skip, it wasn't that big a deal. So um, I took it down. And they maybe about halfway through the show, I, I see Bill coming up again. And I'm thinking, oh, shit. And he goes, he put his arm around me and he goes, you know, Penny, after doing this for 40 years, I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm like a little old Jewish grandmother and I get opening night jitters. You can put your sign back up. <laughs> Which is, 
I think that was his true nature. I mean, he could be the hardest ass. When he wanted something done, it was to be done by perfection. There was no room for mistakes. But he did it because this was what he was serving the people. They were his guests in his house. And that's how he expected us as providers to treat them. He expected his security to treat them as guests in his house. And from that, you know, our philosophy just keeps growing and growing. The rock medicine philosophy has not changed. We still agree that healthcare is a right, not a privilege. And more importantly, the goal of rock medicine is to take care of the people, return them safely to their friends and family without involving law enforcement or EMS whenever possible.